0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I told you yesterday I'm not afraid of rat poison. I've tried it. It actually tastes pretty good to me, and we got some of that for you here right now as it relates to Georgia, but also a big question that eventually needs to be answered, and Georgia may not quite be able to answer that on Saturday, but it might practice for eventually answering it based on what goes down against the Gamecocks. More on that in a moment, but I told you, right now Georgia riding high it is the number one team in the country according to the Associated Press poll voters coaches will eventually get that right too and put the dogs where they're supposed to be which is on top maybe more important than that to some people Georgia is now also the betting favorite to win the national championship there as well let me show you Brett McMurphy former ESPN reporter now working for the Action Network he shared these odds yesterday from FanDuel of the odds to win the national championship and you see georgia right there at the top that's 1.8 to 1 those are georgia's odds slightly better than alabama who's at two to one ohio state's at three to one now clemson's at ten to one too if you care about that now all of this is sort of validation for what we said before the year began, which is you want to make a case for Alabama winning the national championship, but clearly you can do that. They probably had the best two players in the country on the roster to begin the season. That's obviously a pretty big step towards winning a national championship. Or if you wanted to make the case for Ohio State, we said you could do that, too. Ohio State had the best offense in the country a year ago. That's also a pretty good weapon as well as you try to make that push. There was an argument to be made for teams like the Buckeyes, team like the Crimson Tide. But what we said was the idea that everyone was unanimously sure that Georgia was inferior to those other two teams, Alabama and Ohio State, that's the part we thought was silly. Not that we were angered that somebody dared pick against Georgia, that wasn't what it was. But the fact that no one seemed to give Georgia any chance whatsoever, at least in comparison to Alabama and Ohio State, the unanimous nature of the opinion, we just thought that was incredibly wrong. And through two weeks, at least that's been validated we don't know yet how the season's going to play out whether georgia will win the national championship but we do know hashtag go for two and 22 is a very realistic possibility that georgia won its national championship last year and it could win its second national championship in the kirby smart era here this year the first two weeks of the season clearly point that out in fact to kind of put a finer point on this espn and kind of breaking down where georgia is after two weeks was obviously lauding the dogs for many things and as it said when it looks ahead to the future for UGA at this point it kind of really only sees one question on the horizon so for the team that is number one that is the betting favorite when the national championship there's really only one thing for right now that sort of looms as an unknown for the dogs I'm going to show you this sentence Uh, that ESPN kind of sums all this up with but the one thing we still haven't seen from Georgia yet here is ESPN on the uh, topic of UGA which uh, has obviously answered a lot of questions through two games and uh, according to ESPN hasn't given us any reason for concern that's a pretty bold statement how many times over the years have you heard ESPN address all kinds of concerns related to Georgia or express all kinds of doubts related to Georgia but now ESPN says no reason for concern about Georgia at all except the bulldogs haven't had to face adversity yet and they might not until later on in the sec schedule so it's almost like what ESPN is saying there is Georgia's been so good to this point that you almost worry about them being too good. And that at some point in time along the way towards winning a national championship, you're going to be in a tough spot. You're going to be challenged. You're going to have what Alabama had last Saturday at Texas or what Ohio State had in week one against Notre Dame. And it's to Georgia's credit that it hasn't faced that through two games yet. But eventually you'll have some version of that that kind of plays out. And how will you handle adversity when you get there? And it's interesting to know that the ESPN writer who puts that together doesn't expect that to come this Saturday on the road at South Carolina. Now, this is why I think that Georgia fans ought to embrace being number one. I ought to be proud of being the betting favorite to win the national championship. And I ought to love the idea that ESPN is saying all these good things about you. Because some of us can remember when this wasn't true. The idea that Georgia will eventually face some adversity. Well, gosh, when I was younger, williams Bryce Stadium, that loud crowd with South Carolina, that thorn in the side that the Gamecocks once were, that was the definition of adversity. I was there in 2000 when Georgia lost that game, and South Carolina tore, tore down the goalpost when it was all said and done. I was also there in 2002 when Georgia was lucky to escape with a victory. The David Pollock touchdown, obviously a big part of that. But Georgia was lucky to escape with a victory and preserve what turned out to be an SEC championship season. But it almost all came to an end before it even got started because Georgia, frankly, was kind of lucky to beat South Carolina on that particular day. Some of us remember 2012 when Georgia went to Columbia and got absolutely blasted against a very good South Carolina team there at the time. Some of us can remember when going to williams Bryce Stadium, was the definition of adversity, but all of a sudden now ESPN says eh, we're not quite so sure that adversity strikes. You know this week, but eventually Georgia's going to find itself in a tough spot, and then at that point in time we'll learn more about Georgia. So let's take ESPN at their word for a moment. Let's say that Saturday is not the day that adversity strikes. Georgia is, after all, 24 and a half point favorite against South Carolina. Whether you care about point spreads or not, that's the level of expectation that exists for how Georgia will perform against the Gamecocks on Saturday. So, if this is not the adversity day, if this is not the day that Georgia faces adverse conditions, I do believe it is a day in which Georgia can practice for the adverse conditions that might strike it either in an unknown time later on or road games against Mississippi State or a team like Kentucky that is probably better than South Carolina before the season is done. And here's the good news I get the impression that Georgia's ready for this. And I get the impression that Georgia's tired of FCS Samford or Pac 12 Oregon. I think Georgia is ready to measure itself against an SEC team, against players that are of an SEC caliber, against a quarterback in Spencer Rattler that we've heard a lot about and obviously we've seen with our own eyes in some respects. I think Georgia's kind of ready for this. And while they love being between the hedges and they love being in Atlanta where you have a lot of Georgia fans present, to have some fans kind of breathing down their neck, to have some fans saying bad things about them maybe for a game like Saturday that kind of provides a new level of motivation I actually really like what Kirby Smart said yesterday he spoke to reporters after practice was done and it sounds like he thinks his guys are maybe a little bit extra pep in the step because they know that Saturday is kind of as Jim Ross would say business about to pick up going on the road in the SEC sounds like according to Kirby George is ready for it this is what he said yesterday
1: yeah, guys are excited. Uh, I think anytime you get an SEC road opponent, something about going on the road that you embrace that uh, environment. And, you know, most of our kids uh, love going to play in the SEC on the road. You know, last year, you know, Tennessee and Auburn stick out as pretty unique environments. And I think South Carolina is in, that, in line with that in terms of their fan base. You know, it, last year was really – Unique for everybody because we were coming off COVID, and none of the kids had seen an environment like that. So we had two classes of guys who had not, and uh, now you know most of them got to see it last year. So our our freshman group will be the first time getting to see that kind of uh, raucous and rude bus arrival, and uh, and obviously the the white towels. So um, it's something that uh, our kids embrace, and um, we look forward to playing in that environment.
0: So a quick technical point here for a moment smart is bringing up a pretty interesting point you know the 2020 season made everything so weird for so much time in the future you've got extra years of eligibility you've got all kinds of craziness with how players were recruited during that 2021 cycle that was taking place during that year and another thing that makes that weird is as smart points out there are players in this Georgia roster that have a lot less experience with hostile road environments than they would have otherwise had had 2020 been a normal year i mean listen I was in Columbia that night for the Georgia, South Carolina game. I was in Fayetteville that afternoon to begin the season for all of, you know, you know that game. I, I was traveling to those games that year. And I can tell you that it was like a glorified scrimmage in terms of the atmosphere in the stadium, that the fake noise that the stadiums were turning up wasn't real at all. It, it was just so obviously fake that none of that felt like a true road game. Um, and so Smart says for the players who played in 2020, who've been to Columbia, that's not the Columbia they're going to find there on Saturday. And I think that's an important point. I think it's also important to note that Kirby Smart says, and the players are ready for that. They want that. They want to feel people breathing down their neck the moment they get off the bus. They want to be booed. They want to be, you know, chastised or whatever else is going to come. They're ready for that because that's what playing the SEC is all about. And that's what these players came here to do, which is be in the SEC. Now, let me make two quick final points here for a moment. I'm going to put on my Larry Munson hat for a moment. I'm going to put on my Vince Dooley hat for a moment. And I'm going to look at the sort of like the bleakest, most negative part of all of this. There is obviously some chance on Saturday that Georgia doesn't play well. You go into a tough stadium on the road. South Carolina has a quarterback we've all heard of. They've dealt with some injuries, but, you know, they upset Georgia in 2019 there's a chance that, that Georgia goes on the road on Saturday. Maybe they struggle more than the experts think they're going to. And maybe that caused you to think, well, maybe the Oregon game was actually the blip on the radar. That was a, a false positive. That was a fluke. And what happened against South Carolina maybe causes you to reconsider just how good we think Georgia is obviously that's a possibility you know at first he can strike out of nowhere and you never quite know when it's going to take place I mean clearly you'd acknowledge that and if the if Larry Monson was here that's what he'd be saying if Vince Dooley was speaking the way he used to as the Georgia coach that's what he would also be saying there as well so I'll give voice to that side of this discussion here for a moment but let's turn it around let's say that doesn't happen let's say that the experts are right about this and Georgia does as we talked about one of these days this week That Georgia does win easily against South Carolina, then, y'all, that is a message. And Georgia fans ought to receive it just as much as anybody else in the country does. That this is a Georgia team that can't be hidden right now. And this is a Georgia fan that doesn't have the luxury of sneaking up on anyone anymore they are number one for a reason. They are the betting favorite to win the national championship for a reason. And while that doesn't guarantee end of season outcome, it does guarantee you this, that is a very realistic possibility this team will go 4-2 in 22, winning that second national championship. That, that, that Georgia has every shot in the world of getting that done, and it has a chance on Saturday to prove against South Carolina just how real all of that is my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans we're presented today by Brady to pass management and we are happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us facebook youtube twitter twitch on uh video radio noon athens sports radio 96 the raft and i dare say after two consecutive days i believe the apple podcast player is fixed and hopefully some of you were kind enough to be patient with us through all of that apple actually turned out to be a little helpful on this um And I think we're actually kind of back to normal. Now, listen, I'm going to be checking it every day. Obviously, we appreciate your feedback, those of you who are telling us. But we've been back and normal for two consecutive days. And actually, the shows that we missed have also popped up on there as well. So some of you are tired of me talking about this because you don't listen to the show on Apple. But for those that do, that's probably one of our oldest, most legacy platforms. Uh, For those of you that do, for two days in a row, it seems like that's back to normal. And we are Look, I'll just say this way: we are continuing to evaluate everything about how we distribute the podcast, you know, to all the platforms, Apple included. But so far, so good there on that front. And I tell you, we couldn't do a show like this, couldn't you know, put it out on all the platforms that we do, if not for great sponsors like our friends from Breda Pest Manager. They're also the official, official pest control provider of UGA Athletics there as well, which means they're taking care of. Sanford Stadium and all the athletic facilities there around campus on Athens. And they want to do the same thing for you there too. And when you have the resources available, the way a Breda Pest Management does, that provides you a certain level of strength and that strength that Breda wants to leverage for you. They've been doing this since the 1970s. They've got more than 100 employees. That strength, those resources, they want to put that to work for you to actually put more money back in your pocket. Because let's face it, the company that you may be working with, it's not Breda. They don't have those same level of resources, and that's showing up for you in terms of a bill that's going up month after month, year after year. In fact, you may have gotten that letter in the mail: termite protection going to be more expensive. Uh, You know, the, the the pest control service that you've gotten. Going to be more expensive. Well, at Breda Pass Management, when you make the switch to them and say, hey, do for me what you've been doing for UGA, protect my house like you protect Sanford Stadium, in addition to doing that, they're going to put more money back in your pocket for that. So make the switch today. Go to BradaPass.com. That's B R E D A. BredaPass.com. And they got you covered there. And they've got us covered here today on Dog Nation Daily as well. And we are grateful for that. Also, we are grateful for Connor Riley. We're going to talk to him coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse. And speaking of good things being said about Georgia, I thought it was really interesting on one of his podcasts this week, Greg McElroy, he does some stuff for ESPN, of course, in addition to a lot of other media stuff there as well. He's got an ESPN podcast. And he was asked the question about whether or not it was real or not that Georgia should be considered the best team in the country. Now, keep in mind, this is still a Bama quarterback. This is a prominent SEC voice and McElroy on his podcast this week basically acknowledging what the rest of us have seen with our own eyes which is through two games it is obvious right now who the best team is not just because of what Georgia has done but because of the stumbles we've seen from some of those teams that were mentioned around Georgia to begin the year this is McElroy from the ESPN podcast earlier this week
2: Georgia is the best team in the country okay and this is only I only feel more validated in this thought. And like I said, purely overreactionary. But I'm only more validated knowing that Notre Dame is clearly human. Gave Ohio State a great game. So I'm not saying that it necessarily puts a dent in the armor there for the Ohio State Buckeyes. But the resume takes a slight hit. And Alabama, of course, looked incredibly human on the road against a Texas team that I'm not sure any of us are real sure about at this point so uh, i would say that based on all the performances and we don't have that many of them (laughs) but if you take the top three the big three if you will you have two games each for each of those three teams the best performance of all the performances was georgia against oregon that's the best performance it was the most dominant it was clinical it was surgical that's the best performance so at this point it is not low hanging fruit. That is truth. George is the best team in America.
0: Now, let me tell you why I play that clip. Because the honest truth is, most Georgia fans don't need to be told what McElroy says there. They already know that. McElroy's message is really for people who were maybe skeptical of George at the beginning of the season. When he says Georgia is the best, Georgia fans would say, Yeah, I know. We've been here the entire time. But for Johnny Come Lately fans, maybe that's news to them, and maybe they're learning from McElroy when he says that. But here's my reason for playing this for you, an audience of mostly Georgia fans here today. The two words that McElroy used to describe the Oregon game, I think, are really interesting. He calls it clinical and surgical, which I think are really interesting. And on the offensive side of the ball, which is I want to focus on for a moment, that is definitely, I think, what Georgia did there in that game. And when you look at the way in which all these different pass catchers got involved and Georgia was so creative in how it used Stetson, Ben, he had the huge day against the Ducks there that day. I think that's worth kind of reminiscing and recollecting on here for a moment, especially given some of the stuff that I've said this week. And you've heard me say, hey, against South Carolina, I want to see that toughness. I want to see Georgia run the ball in traditional running type plays. And while I've acknowledged I don't mean three yards in the cloud of dust and primarily a run first offense, it still, I think, can be confused that when I say I want to see more from the Georgia rushing attack, that that might mean that somehow I've been dissatisfied with what I've seen from Georgia offensively through two games. And the actual truth couldn't be further from that. That the truth is, I think that McElroy's description of what made Georgia's performance against Oregon so so impressive, you know, words like surgical, words like, you know, clinical, the precision with which Georgia did that, that is truly remarkable. And when you think about what gives Georgia a chance to go out on Saturday and make this game easy and win with confidence and win kind of going away, different maybe than what happened here in 2019, it is the presence of that offense that I think allows you to feel that way. The fact is, when Georgia got upset as around the same you know, amount of favorite back in 2019 in its own stadium, that was a Georgia team at the time that was really struggling offensively. Georgia only averaged about 21 points per game in SEC play that year. This Georgia team on Saturday is far different from that. And so while I do want to see a little more dominant running game to go along with what has been a very effective passing attack, I don't want to get so focused on that that we lose sight of what Georgia has done really well this season. McElroy notices it. Kirby Smart also talked about it last night, getting the ball to a bunch of different playmakers all over the field. In fact, here's Kirby on his offense from last night.
1: Well, I think it means you can spread the ball around. You know, you try to create find out like i said before is is how, how, who, who can make people miss who's special when they touch the ball and we've been able to give a lot of guys touches to get a lot of looks to try to gain some confidence in in guys touching the ball but uh, you know a lot of that had to do with the score too
0: so in other words i'm not changing my opinion necessarily i do think that georgia needs to run the ball better but I simply want to add that to what Georgia's already doing well. And as we talk about, hey, can you find some more of those traditional runs? Can you be tough? Something that Alabama wasn't against Texas. Can you show more toughness against South Carolina? A little bit banged up on defense. Can you show more toughness against them than Alabama did in its game against, uh, against Texas? I don't, wanna, I, don't, I don't want to get so fixated on that that you'd lose sight of what Georgia really is doing well man they're moving the football and they're throwing it around to a lot of different guys kirby says a lot of different would be you know pass catching targets or gaining confidence as all this goes on they're averaging 41 points per game through two games And you think there's even room for more of that maybe some more of that coming against south carolina on saturday that's all really important i'm glad to see a guy like greg mcelroy from espn noticing that and giving credit where it's due to these dogs number one here after two weeks all right it's dog nation daily presented by Breda past management before we're done on today's show The player that I'm probably getting more questions about right now than almost any other is Eric Gilbert. Yesterday, Kirby Smart addressed the Gilbert situation specifically in terms of kind of what the outlook is for more playing time for Gilbert in the future. We'll give you that before we're done on today's show. But for now, on everything for the dogs getting ready for South Carolina and all of the excitement kind of building around this program as it goes for two in 22, uh, let's talk to Connor Riley as part of a Kroger Fresh Take here right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So, Connor Riley's talking to Georgia. Pl- talked, talking, that's not a word. Hey, Connor Riley has talked to Georgia players here over the course of the last couple of days and heard from Kirby Smart a couple of times there as well. So, Connor, let me just sort of start big picture with you. What is your outlook right now for the dogs in SEC play for the first time coming on the road at Williams Bryce Stadium? Uh, What do you think for the moment here about Georgia, South Carolina on Saturday?
3: They're they're ready to get out there and, you know, hear sandstorm 100,000 times at a way too loud decibel level. And I think, you know, this team is eager to go out there and prove that, you know, again, they are no more team in the country, but they want to play up to their standard. And they know a week ago against Sanford, they didn't come out and do that. And so, I think offensively they want to prove that, hey, this is the team we saw against Oregon and not necessarily the team we saw last week. And I think against the South Carolina team, this is going to be, I think, maybe their best test for this defense so far. I know there are some questions about Bo Nix and maybe what he's able to give. And while I've been very skeptical of Spencer Rattler, I recognize that he is perhaps a better threat in this offense that South Carolina has, maybe a better threat to move the ball and potentially score some points against Georgia. And so I think this defense knows that – hey, if you want to try and quick game passes to death, that's fine. You're not going to score a whole lot. And I think South Carolina is going to be willing to tweak how it goes about doing that and trying to score. And I think it's going to you know, sort of allow another statement opportunity for this Georgia team to have that number one ranking on its back and go out there and prove, hey, we'll go into an opposing stadium in a very tough environment in Williams-Brice Stadium and we'll still come down there and kick the
0: car out of you. So I had a comment or bring this up on our first and 15 before the show began, I'll kind of bring this question to you because here's the topic that kind of emerged from this. Last year in Athens, South Carolina scored 13 points. Josh Van, the uh, receiver, had a big day. Now, Van hasn't had a great year yet for South Carolina, but he had a big day against Georgia a year ago. But my question is, on Saturday, do you think South Carolina scores more or less than the 13 points it put up last year?
3: I kind of want to say less. I'm gonna wow. I'm gonna say ten there, and I you know, the, yes, this defense still needs to be I, I think truly tested. But uh, look, they, this South Carolina team they struggled to run the ball last week against Arkansas. I think Georgia's got a better front than Arkansas does, and I, I really like what I've seen out of this secondary so far. Now they're not super deep, especially with the Nyland Green injury, and there's some there's some curiosity going on with William Poole and what his availability is. But those first five guys, Lasseter – uh, Laster and Ringo at the cornerback spot, Javon Bullard at the star position, and then I'll even throw Dan Jackson in there in that safety rotation with Malachi starts and Chris Smith. That's a really strong top six guys you have back there, uh, and I think that's a it's a better secondary than what you have a year ago. And so, while yes, this this linebacker core in particular, I think needs to grow a little bit, and this defensive line still needs to improve. Though I've liked what I've seen the first two games, I, I think this defense while it's not as dominant per se as it was last year, I think it's very similar to say that 2019 defense that had a lot of young players on it that was great at big play prevention. And, you know, we'll see if they're able to get those sort of havoc plays, those turnovers, and things like that as the season progresses. But in terms of preventing big plays, keeping teams out of the end zone, making it difficult to score, I think this defense can do that.
0: I have said that I'd like to see a little more traditional running play from Georgia on Saturday. I don't want this to be a run-first offense. I don't want this to be three yards in a cloud of dust. I just spent some time before you joining us praising what Georgia has done offensively, spreading the ball around. 41 points per game, all of that's real, and I think it's laudable. But this is the the worst rush defense in the SEC. Gave up a big total to Arkansas this past Saturday. They're banged up there as well. I think, Connor, one of the keys to making an easy game, as easy as it's supposed to be, is going out there and asserting yourself on the ground. By the way, this is a multi-year story for Georgia. Where they haven't exactly been as RBU, as folks kind of remember them being. I'd like to see Georgia get some gashing running plays on Saturday. How important do you think that is?
3: Yeah. You know, I, there, there, there's two ways of looking at this. You know, I, I think Kendall Milton has shown some impressive burst, and it's clear I think he's getting healthier each and every week. Uh, and I thought he played well against Sanford last week. Do you know what Kenny McIntosh's rushing numbers are through the first two games?
0: Uh, not nearly as good as receiving totals are. I know that for a fact.
3: Yeah, he he's been fantastic as a pass catcher out of the backfield as a running back in terms of carrying the ball he has 12 carries for 33 yards that is not nearly good enough or where it needs to be i'm not saying he needs to you know average 8 9 yards per carry but it needs to be better than a sub 3 yards per carry attempt and you no know, part of that is certainly on him i think part of that is on the offensive line as well you know georgia says that you know the offensive line in the depth that they have there is a the strength and while i do believe that you know, Kirby Smart coming out and saying it's overrated to have, you know, to have, say, five guys and playing those five guys. I, I, I personally disagree with that a little bit. And obviously, Kirby Smart knows way more about football than I do. But I think there's something to be said about the continuity of having the same five guys, of getting better because if you know who you're repping next to, and you're not having to necessarily overthink about who am I playing next to and what their tendencies are. And so I do wonder if this week maybe we see a, a shortened offensive line rotation. Ultimately, I doubt it because I think Georgia is going to be a big in this game. They're going to be able to, to do what they want to. But I think this is a game where you want to see, you know, I think Georgia's longest rush so far this season is 18 yards. You want to see them, you know, maybe not so much break off the 60-yard runs because, as you pointed out before, a lot of that is sometimes a defensive back fell down, and, and there's something you can't really control beyond that. But rip off, you know, a, a 5, 6, 7, 15- to 20-yard runs where that's just a well-executed play. A running back makes one guy miss. The offensive line gets six, seven yards of push. If they're able to do that, I think we feel a lot better about where this offensive line and this rushing attack is.
0: I want to ask you a question that's very simple but maybe not quite as easy to answer as maybe it should be. How good do you think Spencer
3: Rattler is? I have a lot of questions about him. I'm one of those people that is probably, you know, in regards to the national media – more down on him than I think a lot of other people have been. Uh, You know, he's a great athlete. Uh, I hear so much about this arm talent, but for whatever reason, just the the athletic ability does not match up with the on-field product and what we have seen from him. And, you know, look, his first two years at Oklahoma, he got benched two times, and, you know, I think there's something to that. Uh, Ultimately, he was able to come back and improve from that benching the first time uh in his freshman season and then last year ultimately he gave way to Caleb williams there uh you know the south carolina team their offensive line is not very good and that does not do him a lot of favors um but i would say i consider myself one of the people more down on spencer rattler and i don't think he's quite as good as some people do i mean there were people a year ago telling you he was going to be the first pick in the draft and i had always thought that had been a little wild um Is he better than Bo Nix? He's probably pretty similar in in that vein. And, you know, I I think nationally there are people that think he's much better than Bo Nix. But in reality, I think they're two pretty closely aligned quarterbacks.
0: So here's my conspiracy theory. I think we're now into the overreaction to the overreaction territory where you're right. At one point in time, especially post-transfer, I think that Rattler was sort of ludicrously hyped up. We did see him mocked in the first round and in some cases high first round. That's obviously way too much for a guy like Rattler. But in the aftermath of that, so many people have pushed back to the notion that he was so overrated to begin with that I think now, I think that it's almost being treated in some respects that this isn't a quarterback that you have to game plan for. And I would say in comparison to a lot of the quarterbacks that Georgia's played in recent regular season games, even dating back to previous years, I think that Rattler is the kind of quarterback that you've got to be uh, you know a little bit careful with. I didn't think he had a great game against Georgia State, but I actually thought he played Okay, on the road at Arkansas this past Saturday, and to me, this is at the very least a competent quarterback. Like you made the comparison that I've made before, you sound like you're unsure, but I don't mind telling you that Rattler is to me more dangerous than Bo Nix is, and I I feel like I'm fairly confident that's true. Now. I don't think he has enough around him to be a, a real threat to Georgia, but if you want to like kind of sort of isolate this as just Rattler, there's no doubt in my mind he's a better quarterback than Bo Nix, although it sounds like you disagree. And compared to the, the sort of week-to-week quarterbacks that Georgia has been playing, this is a guy I feel like you have to game plan for a little bit.
3: Well, yeah, and like he's clearly a good quarterback. I just don't believe he's a difference-making quarterback. <laughs> I don't believe he elevates. Uh, the rest of that South Carolina offense um, the way maybe some other quarterbacks do. I, I think Bo Nix is maybe in a little bit better of a situation, and I think that helps Bo a little bit more, whereas I think Spencer is being asked to do a good bit more there. Uh, he, he's clearly a player that Georgia respects, and they know he is certainly capable of doing some things. And, look, they have receivers and nice skill players there at South Carolina. Marshawn Lloyd is a player Georgia recruited, Josh Dan. Is a player Georgia recruited. Uh, Jaheim Bell is going to be a player that is taken in the first three rounds of the upcoming NFL draft. Austin Stogner is a very talented tight end. They have good skill players there. It's just right now, this offensive line is so mediocre that it's going to make things, I think, very difficult for Spencer Rattler to maybe rise above that this coming Saturday.
0: I can't tell quite what's going on with AD Mitchell. Uh, you're there every day. You've heard Kirby Smart on this the last couple of days. What is your sense of the outlook for A.D. Mitchell, who's dealing with an ankle injury?
3: Don't think he's playing this weekend. Don't think he plays next weekend against Kent State. Maybe they bring him back for that game against Missouri. Uh, I wouldn't be totally surprised if maybe we don't see him until Auburn. Uh, it, it's not a, a long-term injury, so to say, even though it's, a, I just made it sound like he's going to be out a month. I think it's one of those things where A.D. Mitchell is so important to this team that you have to bring him back, and you want him to be 100%. You don't want to rush him back and have to worry about that come later on in the season. So I think this is a a thing where Georgia is being cautious, and because of the way their schedule sets up, it's the right move to be cautious.
0: Who's the biggest, and I hate to say it this way, but who's the biggest beneficiary of this? We saw Jackson Meeks get in and make a couple of catches early when Mitchell left, and I think that Marcus Rosemey-Jackson was kind of in that spot, you know, kind of later on in the game. Who gets more looks now because Mitchell may be held out the next couple of weeks?
3: I think Dylan Bell. Uh, he played 42 snaps on Saturday. Lad McConkie was the only Georgia wide receiver who played more. Uh, I think they like what they've seen from him. Uh, they want to get him more playing time that way. You know, while, yes, he did catch a touchdown pass on Saturday, he also had some drops there as well. And I think they want to get him those reps because he's able, I think similarly to Lad McConkie, he's not quite as stretchy as A.D. Mitchell is, not quite as quick twitch, but he's a guy who's sort of like a running back uh, once he gets the ball in his hands. I know Keebo Samuel is the sort of comp that has been thrown out there to him. And so I think going forward, I think they want to see him get involved more. One guy I'm interested in, Marcus Jack Sane is a guy who mm-hmm. opening drive against Oregon, opening drive against Sanford third and long-ish situations. Georgia has targeted him, and he's come down with nice catches, making some nice routes, making some nice plays there. I know the schedule might not test them in this manner, but I've liked what I've seen from Marcus Rosemey-Jack St. in a limited sample size right now, and I think he's a guy who maybe production-wise takes up a little bit of what A.D. Mitchell is. Uh, that would have brought to the table were he 100 healthy
0: yeah important to keep in mind i know he's been through injury and you know kind of you know been through a lot here but on a roster that doesn't have a lot of elite recruits at the receiver position some of those guys have played far better than their recruiting profile would have suggested Roseme jackson is one of the guys that does kind of have this, this is a top 10 player in the country at his position when he signed with Georgia here. This is one of those guys where it'd be nice to see him have the big season, not just because Georgia needs it, but also because you want to cultivate those sort of top-end recruits in your program. And Roseme Jackson is one of the few guys in the wide receiver room that probably classifies as a former elite recruit.
3: Yeah, and, and while he doesn't, he is not a vertical stretch the field guy, he's a great route runner. I, I think you go back and look at those two third-down catches that he had He creates separation with the way that he runs routes and the crispness that he brings there, and I think he's a guy that can win in contested spaces. And so when you're playing against elite athletes, guys like Kool-Aid McKinstry at Alabama, uh, Eli Ricks or whoever the other Alabama cornerback ends up ultimately being, uh, he's a guy that I think there is a faith that he can go up there and win those 50-50 battles, along with being an exceptional blocker, as we saw in the national championship game last year. Uh, You know, his career has maybe not lived up to the way some people thought it had, to this point in terms of wide receiver production, but he is very clearly an important piece of the Georgia offense this year – regardless of what ad mitchell's health status
0: is i want to ask you one more thing before we let you go But before that I want to remind folks this is our kroger uh fresh take with Connor riley here on dog nation daily here today and of course don't forget kroger's got great event taking place every month it's called kroger chef junior It's your chance to involve your kids in a guided cooking experience where they learn to cook a great menu item and also go home with some cool gifts there as well this month it's lettuce wraps and you can do this again coming up on september 24th and be a part of it it's just seven dollars per child and in addition to learning how to make the lettuce wrap you're also going to receive an apron and a patch a chef's hat a recipe card and box and a whisk it's all just seven dollars per child and you can find out more at krogerchefjr.com that's the word junior spelled out j-u-n-i-o-r krogerchefjr.com for more on that we'll see you September 24th at a Kroger near you for another Kroger Chef Junior experience Connor you don't really approach this topic from the perspective of a Georgia fan but you are a sports fan and from that standpoint. I want to ask you about this. I've really been kind of encouraging Georgia fans this week to embrace what's being said about UGA. That listen, Kirby Smart's going to downplay being number one, but he's a coach. Fans don't have to participate in coach speak. And this is as special an era for Georgia football as will ever be. When you look ahead to the future, whether it's five years from now or twenty-five years from now, the odds are just because this way college ball works, things won't be as good then as they are now. So going on the road connor i was in columbia in 2000 and i saw south carolina tear down the goalposts because they beat georgia there that day 2012 is a horrible memory of georgia at south carolina to think now things are so different that georgia's number one uh reigning national champions uh you know betting favorite to win the title again here this year to me i think that georgia fans need to forget about the idea of rat poison i think that's something that's totally irrelevant in this particular case coaches and players be focused coaches and players be locked in on the mission georgia fans the only mission is to appreciate what's happening and right now what's happening is really really special so i say bring on the praise bring on the pats in the back and let's go out here and do it all again in 2022 as someone who kind of approaches this from a little bit more of an objective perspective what do you think about all of that
3: now wait a minute ba i have a bone to pick here with you okay I think, that, I think that the phrase rat poison, we need to get that out of our lexicon. It is one of the worst things about college football. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree that you should be celebrating. You know, I thought Sam Pittman had a great quote earlier this week about you know, Arkansas being ranked in the top ten and why that should be celebrated. We you played know,
0: that yesterday. We played it yesterday. Yeah. We sure did.
3: Here's the thing, B.A. Do you know what the title of your podcast was last Wednesday? Uh, remind me. UGA getting no shortage of rat poison after blowout win. We've well, we got to get rat poison. We've got to get rat poison out of the sport. Right, I so, think it's bad for the sport. Go ahead.
0: So to be fair, I did use rat poison in the headline, but I also kind of talked about how I don't really like rat poison after that. So to be fair, I, uh, I, I, I guess I did do that. But, uh, but listen, for the most part, we're having a really good time with all of this.
3: Yes, and I think your larger point is correct there. My, the point I want to make here, rat poison is bad for the sport. It yep. that say rat poison to positive tweets. Or, hey, this guy played really well, rat poison. I think that's objectively bad. I think it is harmful for the sport. Look, the thing about sports, celebrate the good times. Enjoy things that are going well. I'm a New England Patriots fan. This past Sunday sucked. This team, this this Patriots team is awful. Enjoy the winning because, as you point out, it's not going to be here forever. While Kirby Smart is going to continue to do great things at at Georgia, 10 years from now, who knows what this program looks like. Uh, You know, 10 years ago, our – You know, 12 years ago, Texas was on top of the college football world, and now they're in the gutter. And so I think you need to enjoy the moment right now. Things are going very well for Georgia. You should puff your chest out. When Georgia beats South Carolina by 30 points on Saturday, which I think they will go out there and do, if you have a South Carolina friend in your life, you should say, yeah, this is how it's going to be every year when Kirby Smart is here. And so I think we need to enjoy this and celebrate it because I think the idea of rat poison has created just so ridiculously high standards that even in a blowout win, people will find things to complain about. And I think that is not how sports, a an entertainment product, should be enjoyed.
0: I'm going to be a very big blowhard here for a second and talk certainly about a subject that I don't know nearly enough about. But I think that a lot of fans, without knowing this, this is what they do. I think they try to give themselves an emotional hedge. Because, Connor, I can tell you, if Georgia were to lose on Saturday, it would be devastating. Not just for me as a fan, but I wouldn't want to come to work on Monday. It would be awful. And yet there is nothing I can do to sort of hedge myself against that feeling if it takes place. In other words, not fully buying in now not fully appreciating being number one and hashtag go for two and 22 you know not fully buying into that doesn't make it any better if george eventually loses i think we saw some of this last year where and, and stetson bennett kind of became the focal point of some of this where i think people sort of decided not to be a big believer in him because it gave them an emotional hedge if somehow Georgia did finish the season disappointingly because fans don't like to be sad, right? And losing makes you sad. And so yep. anything you can do to hedge against that eventual sadness, I think people sort of unintentionally gravitate towards that. But I, I just don't know that actually helps when it's all said and done, that, that this is the kind of thing that I think that Georgia fans ought to wholeheartedly embrace. This is a really fun time to be a dog fan.
3: Fans either want to be happy, which is what happens when they win, or they want to be right and say, I knew this team stunk all along. I knew these guys were frauds, et cetera, et cetera. This Georgia team is very good. What we have seen in the first two weeks of the season, I think they're the best team in the country. Will they be the best team at the end of the season? It's a long way to go, and teams are going to get better. As poor as Alabama looked this past Saturday, I guarantee you if and when they play Georgia in the SEC championship game, they're going to play a heck of a lot better than what we saw this past weekend. Yep. They might beat Georgia. I mean, that's just the reality of sports. That is why the games are played. And games are played to be enjoyed. And, and the way Georgia is playing right now, I mean, think back to the 2019 season. If we had told if – you because if, if, we had some very passionate arguments about that season and about the way the offense was unfolding that year, that season. Imagine telling uh, ourselves in 2019, yeah, this offense with Stetson Bennett, a quarterback, is going to average 42 points a game and look like an absolute juggernaut, led by the tight end and its passing attack. Enjoy what this team has become and enjoy what Kirby Smart has built it up to be because it is a very special time to be a Georgia fan. And I can tell you as someone who covered this team in college, was around this team in 2015, was around this team in 2019, the good times are not always this good.
0: Connor, that's well said, and I appreciate your coverage in Athens each and every day, and I look forward to seeing you in Columbia on Saturday, and we'll continue to follow what has been, to this point in time, a very fun season with even more fun days on the horizon. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll talk to you soon.
3: No problem. Thanks for having me on, B.A.
0: Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So Connor brings up a pretty interesting point there, and I want to spend a second on this, and I want to move on. There was a point not all that long ago where i wasn't sure any of this was going to happen like my obviously as a georgia fan you always hope they do well but as someone who also kind of talks about this for a living my belief in georgia started to really really climb after 2017 of course it would and after 2018 it didn't really go down too much even though georgia had kind of the the heartbreak at the end of the season i think overall you felt like georgia was still in a really good place as a program but somewhere around 2019 2020 some of that for me really started to change that Georgia was lousy on offense in 2019 they weren't scoring nearly enough points in the games that mattered to be a real legitimate contender and then in 2020 you started to see what looked like some honest to goodness program regression where they had gone from winning the SEC and making the college football playoff to the next year losing close in the SEC championship to the year after that getting blown out in the SEC championship to the year after that not even making the SEC championship like if you stood here and looked 2019-2020 all of a sudden there was a pretty easy picture to draw of Georgia where this sort of looked like a program heading in the wrong direction and that seems crazy to think about now but at the time I kind of sometimes wondered that might not quite be true that this was one of those programs that just might not have quite took advantage of the moment that existed for it well since then how much better has the program gotten they're scoring 41 points per game right now They're averaging 1.5 points per game yielded on defense, and this coming after a national championship season a year ago. And this is not me being boastful and bragful and saying, oh, Georgia will win every game it plays by 40 points. I can't guarantee they're going to win anything, but I can guarantee you this, I've never had more fun watching Georgia football than I'm having right now, and I am proud to see them ranked number one. And I do believe that a lot of folks did not give them enough credit coming into the season and getting a chance to prove some of those people wrong it is kind of fun and so i'm embracing it looking forward to saturday there as well And i'm glad to see that so many of you are there too and with that said we're gonna go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean something else we're embracing wholeheartedly the second ever cruise with dog nation coming up this april uh, on independence of the seas april 24th to 28th if you go to RoyalDogs.com, that's the website to find out more information about that but here's the thing i'm also going to encourage you to do too um jessica slater who's the uh, travel agent who's working with us to help book this cruise for royal caribbean uh she's a great gal I-, I love her i love the uh, work that she does uh for us on this cruise she's helped me with some personal cruise travel that i'm a part of there as well so i recommend her f- certainly a f- a wholeheartedly and if you just got questions about the cruise just call her and talk to her about it 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-947 she'll tell you about independence of the seas she'll tell you about nassau that's one of the ports we're going to perfect day coco k there as well and as i told you yesterday you've got a little bit of an incentive to get on you know on board literally speaking now for our dog nation cruise because between now and september 30th if you book your travel you're gonna get a hundred dollar onboard credit y'all you can this can be used for your shore excursions when you're at nassau or a place like that the stuff you're doing while you're there drinks the bar, uh, specialty restaurants, any kind of cool stuff like that, the the, the onboard credit can be used for that. Of course, so many things are kind of included at no additional charge with your cruise, but for the things that are not, you're going to have $100 to put towards all of that. So I would say do that now before September 30th, just so you can secure your spot, of course, but also so you can take advantage of that great offer. So RoyalDogs.com, that's the website, 770-718-9147. That is the phone number for Jessica. You can talk to her, and she's going to give you all your answers to your questions about the second-ever cruise of Dog Nation coming up on Independence of the Seas this upcoming April. It's the week of the NFL draft. We'll have a huge draft party. We'll have a bunch of fun events in addition to the great stuff on board with Royal Caribbean, also great stuff with Dog Nation. As we are on that cruise there as well. So, this is going to be an incredible time. And find out more at royaldogs.com for that. All right. I'm going to bounce through some of the big games for the weekend. We're going to give you some of our early thoughts on those. And then, of course, we'll have our official picks coming up. Later on this week on Go With the Flow presented by R. S. Andrews. But let me kind of fly through the games we'll be picking there. I'll give you kind of some early leans for me on that. Starting with Georgia, South Carolina as a 24 and a half point number here Now I just told you, pretty competent in Georgia right now. I think dog fans should be too. I think the half point looms pretty big here in terms of while I like Georgia to win easily. We talked about that earlier this week, what the recipe for that is. To me, easy is either 23 points or 27 points. Like the half points a big deal. This is not a blind bet for Georgia. I'll make my official pick for the show on Friday night. But just know that 24 and a half is not a small number. And even if you're relatively confident in Georgia and you like the idea of an easy win, the the betting slip's going to re- require you to be more precise than that. And 24 is a key number. And anything above 24 gets to be pretty high cotton. So be careful with that half point on Georgia. Uh, 24 and a half on the road at my bookie rolling through the rest of these here for a moment let's see our next game we'll try to do this somewhat uh quick how about Miami at Texas A&M Aggie still a five-point favorite in this spot against Miami uh, this is you know obviously above a field goal five's not a key number but it's certainly a little bit of respect in addition to just the typical home favorite stuff here and so the fact that Vegas or my bookie or who anybody else could see A&M play so poorly against Appalachian State and still install them as a relatively substantial favorite against Miami that ought to tell you something and it ought to make you scared about at least a rubber stamp blind bet on Miami but if you also came back and said BA there's no way I can back the Aggies after what they did on Saturday and what they've done offensively to begin this year I got no problem with you on that uh that's totally fine I'm just saying be careful that that very few things in college football are sort of a blind bet sort of rubber stamp and A&M still being a five-point favorite at my bookie despite playing in a game that everybody saw last week awful against Appalachian State that ought to tell you something so just be careful with that but if you're done with the Aggies from a betting perspective I could certainly understand why next game we'll kind of roll through this Penn State's at Auburn Auburn's a three-point underdog at home They are, I think, breaking out the orange jerseys for this, which won't mean a lick for the final score or the 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 betting line or anything like that. I think there's a chance that Auburn is awful. I really do, and I think Saturday may be the day this comes into everybody's field of vision that the quarterback competition was a farce. It was supposed to be won by Zach Calzada. The fact that he didn't was a total failure. And you've got to play somebody at quarterback. And sort of that's what Auburn kind of has now. Quarterback by default as opposed to a quarterback who won it. Uh, Penn State kind of showed me something against Purdue, to be completely honest. Um, it'd be very hard for me to imagine not taking the Nittany Lions as the official pick, even on the road in SEC, in an SEC stadium on Saturday. I think that Auburn is probably just really, really bad. And the orange jerseys, can you imagine wanting to wear orange? Like how ugly is this going to look? I mean this is going to be and first of all if you're Tennessee aren't you suing at this point in time for like gimmick infringement uh but the whole thing just speaks of an embarrassing day on the plains I sort of feel like I see this one coming that may be the game I like more than any other rolling through the others here real quick that we're going to be picking on uh Friday how about Mississippi State at LSU we're going to see LSU as a home underdog this year more than we're used to seeing including on Saturday against Mississippi State it'll happen later this year against Tennessee as well at least And then beyond that, may happen more than that there, too. Y'all, this game ought to matter to you, whether you bet the game or not. Mississippi State ought to matter to you because that's where Georgia's going in November. And last Saturday, I told you this yesterday, last Saturday, the trip to Tucson for Mississippi State was a little bit of a flex, I thought, because this is an Arizona team that's been better than it's been last couple of weeks. And being a favorite in Baton Rouge is also a little bit of a statement. Now, now Mississippi State's also played okay against LSU in recent years, but being a favorite here at LSU on Saturday is an indication that right now the folks that put their money where their mouth is, they think Mississippi State's a pretty good team. So whether you make an official pick on this game or not, keep your eye on the Maroon Bulldogs because right now that looks like a, you know, relatively tough game for Georgia later on in the year next game here there as well uh our final game for our official picks a game of note also for Georgia fans there as well because Oregon the team that Georgia blasted 49 to 3 host BYU I was actually surprised to see Oregon as a three and a half point favorite here and to, to a certain extent I was surprised to see them be a favorite at all BYU is good uh BYU is not technically a group of five team uh they'll eventually be in the big 12 right now they're just kind of a uh you know sort of you know independent you know kind of considered an independent but of the non kind of power five affiliated schools I believe the BYU may be the best this year Uh, I I believe that and I believe they probably handle business at Oregon although it is certainly tough to to you know go on the road after what they did with the Baylor last week but nonetheless I think BYU is worth watching here is quite possibly um, the best sort of non power five team in the country we'll also kind of make that our best bets here presented by our friends at MyBookie. Great chance for you to get some action down on those games or any other games you might want to think about for the upcoming week. Our friends at MyBookie give you a chance to do that. You can bet on anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie.ag. And when you make a big deposit bonus, when you get going with MyBookie here this year, you can also get a big deposit bonus on that. That means you put in $250, MyBookie is going to put $250 into your account there as well. And you've got just like that. You're literally a winner before you place your first bet. And then after that, you play, you win you get paid. It's as simple as that with my bookie, but you've got to use the promo code nation So find my bookie online, use the promo code DogNation, get the big deposit bonus, and then enjoy the spread bets, the money line, you want futures plays, you want to bet the Sunday League, you want to bet Saturdays, uh all the action right there for you, anything anywhere anytime with our friends at my bookie. So make sure you check that out. Let me also do this with you there too, reminding you that on Fridays, we will once again have our big finish courtesy of our friends at the finish. Actually, I'll i tell you more. Well, let me I just already started. So let me finish this now. So let me let me finish this. Then I'm gonna talk to you about Eric Gilbert in a moment. Um so yeah, we do the big finish presented by the finished long drink each and every Friday here on Dog Nation Daily. So our invitation to you is to be a part of that with us. You love the weekends, the finished long drink, a big part of your tailgates, whatever you're doing. So Show us those photos. Take a a snapshot of yourself at your tailgate or your watch party at home, whatever else, enjoying the finished long drink, and we'll make you a big part of our big finish coming up later on this week. And if you haven't tried the finished long drink yet, this is a great time to do that. Go to the longdrink.com. You can see the four different varieties of the finished long drink, whether it be the cranberry, Which uh, everybody in my neighborhood just loves. The Long Drink Strong, which I know some of y'all like, 8.5% alcohol by volume. Long Drink Zero, no carbs, no sugar. Long Drink Traditional. I actually really like this. It's a grapefruit flavor, going along with that gin kick. It's a ready to drink cocktail in a can, kind of a newish category of beverage. Sort of looks like a beer, but it's not. It's a ready to drink cocktail. You like mixed drinks? This is essentially a mixed drink in a can. So. Enjoy that at thelongdrink.com and send us a photo of yourself enjoying it. And we'll celebrate you as part of our big finish presented by the Long Drink coming up on Friday. Okay. So now let's get back to Georgia football here for a moment, and I would say that the question I probably get most frequently right now, as it when it comes to players on this roster, is, Hey, what's up with Eric Gilbert? You know, Eric Gilbert was a guy that we've seen mocked in the first round. That you know. Pro football focus mentions all American or something along those lines. And through two games, we haven't seen a ton of Gilbert. Now, he has played and he has been targeted in both games, but it has not been a big year yet for Gilbert. Certainly way different than the scenario appeared to be in G-Day when he had a couple touchdowns and was a big part of the offense there that day and kind of showed you that nose to the football that he sort of always had. So a lot of folks are asking, hey, what's up with Eric Gilbert? Well, yesterday, Kirby Smart said even in the midst of a crowded tight end room, that the responsibility for more playing time still rests with Eric doing what he needs to do. This is what Kirby Smart said about that yesterday.
1: It's really based on, on Eric's performance. You know, it's not really based on those guys. We have really quality guys that line, and they you know, they all play, and we play the guys that can play winning football and can communicate and execute and like to have depth at those positions. Um, but that's all based on you know, how he practices and, 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 and how he carries over the game plan.
0: I get what Kirby Smart's saying there, and you understand where this is coming from, that, hey, this is not about other guys just being so good. This is about Gilbert needing to be as good as he can be in order to earn that playing time, and I think that's a good message from coach to player. I also think that this is a competition, and right now the competition is just being won by other players. You know, Right now, probably most prominently Darnell Washington. I would have told you a lot during the offseason that I would have probably slotted Gilbert ahead of Washington in terms of the tight end most likely to join Brock Bowers as a big part of this offense but I don't know that I would have fully anticipated how good of an offseason apparently Darnell Washington had and he has been thrown to a lot here over the course of two games in the battle for that sort of second tight end spot to go along with Brock Bowers Washington right now seems to have won that and it doesn't mean that Gilbert can't reassert himself in that battle and in that competition but for now Darnell's kind of won it and you do have a fight going on with a guy like Oscar Delp who's going to want to get his playing time too. So I am never going to sell my Eric Gilbert stock. I do think the ability to catch the football the way that Gilbert has shown that he can do at high school, in LSU, now here at Georgia, if you want to count G-Day, that's a real skill. The ability to be a target and catch the football is the kind of thing that, that will cause me to never give up on a guy like that. But it's, apparently there's a lot of other things kind of going on in this story there as well that Gilbert's still trying to get fully squared away and kind of, you know, get it fully focused in terms of what he does on a football field. So we will never stop rooting for him or rooting as hard for him as ever. We still are a big believer in Eric Gilbert's talent. That's been obviously on display. We'll we'll remember Terrence Edwards words and all of this, which just being back playing football again is in some respects a win for Gilbert. In other words, take it slow in terms of your overall expectation and maybe as this slow build occurs, maybe eventually we will see Gilbert as a big part of this offense before the year is done. But yesterday, Kirby was pretty candid that Eric apparently has some work to do to, to be the guy that Georgia believes he can be. And Kirby has also made it clear that they still believe that Eric's that guy. Sky is the limit, Kirby has said, about his overall talent level. He said that as recently as a couple of weeks ago. But unlocking all that potential and unlocking all that talent apparently still needs a little more work. And Kirby said yesterday that for now, that is still a work in progress. So wanted to give you that update because it is the thing that folks ask us about a pretty good bit around here. And also... Want to give you a golden shoe. We believe that a good Georgia fan is a gator hater first and foremost. We love mocking those lousy stinking gators. The golden shoe awards one of the ways we do that. Our buddy George on tap gave you a funny thing yesterday, and he also had given us this, which is a meme that you've seen before, maybe, of the guy crawling up the crates, and the first step is the Utah win. Uh, but then trying to get to that Kentucky game. Now you're falling. I've seen this meme used for a lot of different things. I just think this is really funny. Now I'm surprised the guy didn't just get absolutely devastated but i've always thought this video it's just really really funny there's also a guy yesterday that sent me this like photo of like gator roadkill on the side basically saying that's what kentucky did to florida and i thought this might be the first golden shoe submission of all time it's actually too gruesome to show on the air i'm not quite so sure how the censors would feel about that but I always appreciate great golden shoe submissions and we love making fun of those lousy stinking gators because it's been a long time since they've won anything of note. How about 4,997 days since Florida's won a national championship. We're getting close to five grand on that and 45 days from right now. Georgia back in Jacksonville, beating up on Florida again. That is our Gator Hitter content. Also, don't forget to go to dognation.store or right at the top of the page at dognation.com. You love Eddie the Blind Squirrel, the official mascot of Dog Nation Daily? You can get an Eddie t-shirt and all kinds of other cool uh, you know, Dog Nation-themed apparel on the way there. But check out the store there at the top of the page at dognation.com and get your Eddie t-shirt today. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Past Management. And on the podcast, time off the RS Andrews podcast, cool down. We are happy to have you with us for what we're doing here today. A couple of comments here on Twitter at dog nation daily chicken, chicken killing cowboy, which is a very interesting. Username pointing out that we're just three days away from 5,000 in terms of the Gator hater updater. So you've heard it said before the best late plans, whatever else I had a really good idea that I was going to try to execute. And now we're just not going to, I wanted to do a Gator Hater 5K, uh, which was like a little bit of a run, you know, in honor of the 5,000 days, and we just never got it done. But I did want to do that. I wanted to do the, the, the 5K, 5,000 days, but um, just not quite able to do that. D. Roberts also weighing in to have some fun with South Carolina fans. Not looking forward to this game against Georgia on Saturday. Um, so a lot of folks kind of weighing in here all kinds of fun stuff going on here. I had a couple other tweets I was trying to find. So I told you about Thad Stokes who sent this picture to me and I'm not going to use this as far as, as for our, uh, for our uh, golden shoe. Cause it's probably just too gruesome, but it is a wild picture of some, like some f- gator roadkill on the side of the road. And he says driving, uh, into Venice for a tuna trip, uh, tuna trip and came across this speed bump on the side of the road. I'm no expert, but it looks like a wildcat attack, meaning that's what uh, Kentucky had done to Florida, which is really funny. um, also, somebody else pointed out something. I'm surprised nobody else figured this out, that this week you know, we we number all of our podcast episodes, and this week we had podcast number 1776. Somebody said it was the most patriotic edition of Dog Nation Daily ever, which I thought was really funny, but we did have our 1776th episode of uh, Dog Nation uh, Daily here this week, so thanks for those who kind of noticed that. And it also seems like the podcast is kind of back-functioning appropriately on um, – on Apple again, which we'll take as good news, and we'll continue to monitor and make sure it stays that way. And if something happens again, then we're ready to pull a big switch on that and make sure you have it delivered to your platform, whichever your platform of choice is, exactly the way that you've come to expect it. So we'll do that if we need to. For now, thanks for being here as a part of our uh, podcast, Cool Down. Appreciate RS Andrews making it possible, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They show up on time and do the work that's promised, the price is promised, you can trust rs andrews on all of that we'll see you tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by breda pest management we'll talk to you then everybody